0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I wanna thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Amen. Well, let's get in the word today. Judges chapter one. Judges chapter one, I've got a message for you entitled, you've come too far. You've come too far. Look at your neighbor that's probably about six feet apart from you right now. Look at him and say, you've come too far. Come on, give them the title on message. You have come too far. I was waiting for someone to bring a six foot pole and they just carry it around and make sure people are always six feet apart from, from each other, right? I flew the last couple days. I have seen some of the most interesting, I guess you can call them masks, contraptions that people are using to cover their face. It's unbelievable the stuff that people Uh, would bring, because on the planes, you have to wear it, unless you're eating, I discovered the trick, if you have a drink, and some type of food out on your little thing there, they're not going to tell you to put your mask on, as soon as I finish this, I'll, I'll put it on, I can't breathe with that thing on, man, i you know, it's just claustrophobic, I don't know, I can't do that, so, I found the trick, and, um, anyways, uh, We're just thankful you're here, and it's growing every week. I said it's growing every week, more and more people coming back into the church. I really believe this has backfired on the devil. He thought he was going to be able to get us out of the house, and I've seen more anticipation to get back in the house. And um, I'm thankful for you. It's uh, in moments like this where it proves what you really have. And, and, and I'm not saying that people that are at home are, are of less faith or anything. like. That. I'm just saying that our response as a church has been incredible. Your desire to lean in and engage and, and, and be back here. And every church is different. Every church has to do what is right for their church. But I do want to say thank you for uh, being sensitive to the Spirit and uh, leaning in with us and engaging with us. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about challenging normal. That was the title of my first message, and really that's just kind of got me in a vein um, of looking at what is normal, what do we define as normal, and, and why do we want to be so quick to get back to that? And so we're, we're looking at this premise, this theme, this idea, maybe it's not about what we're trying to get back to but maybe something we should be looking forward to, something we should be looking ahead to, something that we should be going after. God is always moving us forward. And even what you might think is a step backward is really a step forward to what God is trying to do in your life. Amen? We've heard the phrase, what you thought was a setback, God was, God was giving you as a setup. Amen? And so God is doing things right now and he's moving in these things and operating in these things. And I believe this is prime time for the church to rise. Prime time for the church to wake up. Prime time. This is a call to an awakening and to a rising up of the church. And so in this season and now we're seeing transition and we're seeing things begin to shift and change. And sometimes shifting comes to shake things. You need a shifting if you want a shaking, amen? And when you shake things, things begin to settle down and things begin to come to the rise and and things begin to, you begin to find out what your priorities are and what your values are and what's important to you and what's really most needed, right? We've heard this word a thousand times uh, uh, over the last two years, I mean, over the last two months, um, essential services, right? Essential, what do we deem as essential? Well, I hope we have deemed the word of God as essential, amen? We've got social distancing, but we need to have spiritual distancing. We are cleaning our hands, but we also need to be purifying our hearts and our minds. We're trying to stay away from impurities and toxicity naturally, but are we doing the same and taking the same measures mentally? I can tell you right now, you could put yourself in a little bubble suit, and roam around this world enclosed closed naturally. But if you don't ever shut off your mind from toxic things, you're going to kill yourself from the inside out. I said, you're going to kill yourself from the inside out. And there might not be any infection on your body, but there might be infection in your heart that you end up spreading to others. Toxicity and parasites and impurities, all these things that damage us where God's really trying to put the focus on the inside, right? Romans chapter 12, do not be trans, do not be conformed to the world on the outside, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of my mind on the inside. So how do I change what's on the outside? By working on what's inside. And if I work on what I can work on, then God will do what he can do. Amen. And so, uh, we saw in the first week in Joshua chapter 1 when the people of God, the Israelites, were going from the wilderness. Let's just take a look at the journey. Last week, we talked about Joseph. That was how they got into Egypt was through the story of Joseph. And then they were enslaved there for over 400 years, over four generations of Israelites enslaved in someone else's land. But God brought them through that so they, they could take all their stuff into the promised land. God has a plan. God has a big picture. He, it's way bigger than our picture. I said, it's way bigger than our picture. And so they're in Egypt. Moses is raised up as a deliverer, delivers them through ten plagues, and Pharaoh lets them go. Pharaoh chases them down, ends up destroying all of Egypt. See, if they hadn't gone through Egypt, then God couldn't destroy Egypt. God wiped them out. They all died in the Red Sea. Amen. The Red Sea wasn't supposed to stop you. It was supposed to sink them. So the, God wants to bring you through some waters. He wants to bring you through the waters, amen. But then they will close up on your enemy, amen. They can't swim in that stuff. You'll walk across on dry ground, and what you will walk across will end up being the demise Of your enemies. And so brought them through that. Well, we know in the wilderness they got stuck. They ended up in a cycle or they conformed to the pattern. That was the word we've been looking at these patterns or these cycles or what we can define as normal. That's what normal is, right? It's normal because it's a pattern. Nobody ever calls disruption normal. Oh, this is just the way it always is. No. It wouldn't be a disruption if that's the way it always was, right? And so we're, we're challenging this idea of what we do consistently. We're challenging this idea of what we, we are, what we become accustomed to. So when we say things like, I can't wait till things get back to normal, and I hear you. I know what you mean. I'm, I know you mean being able to walk down whatever aisle you want in public without a sign telling you in or out. That's what you mean. I get it. Right? When we, when we say the words, I can't wait for things to get back to normal, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, being able to cough and not have the whole world look at you like you are the parasite. You are COVID. You're the whole, all of you, the whole body. Get away from me as far away as you can. Right? That's what we're talking about. Getting back. I will tell you that the flights and the traveling that I just did was probably the best traveling I've ever done in my entire life. 17 people on a plane that holds 144. You get your own row. You get your own two rows. I mean, it's awesome. I had bought them at one price, got them refunded, went back and bought them at half the price. That's how cheap everything is right now. It's crazy. So, you know, some things I don't want to go back. I would rather that be normal. That would be a lot better. Give me my whole row, please. So when we say getting back to normal, I know what we mean when we say that. But this is also an opportunity to challenge some things in our lives and confront some things that we want to be so quick to go back to. What do I mean? The children of Israel, freed physically, we're still slaves mentally. And in a wilderness where God is providing miracle after miracle after miracle, what do they say? Well, at least in Egypt. What they were saying was, it's not that they desired it. It's just that it was familiar. At least I knew what was coming. At least I knew where three square meals were coming every day. At least I knew what was expected of me. At least I knew what that there was a roof over my head. See, when God's working miracles, there's a sense of unknowing. There's a sense of 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 you know disruption in your life, and God was trying to challenge all that stuff. He was trying to get them to quit relying on natural resources. He was trying to get them to stop relying on on what man could do for them, and start depending and trusting in God. I'll bring water out of a rock. I'll bring water by a brook. I will bring birds to feed you a a dinner. You'll wake up with food on the ground. I mean, that's Uber service to the extreme. Like you walk out the door and there's your food. It's like Old Testament DoorDash right there. God wanted to supply their needs. God wanted to meet their needs. God wanted to change what they depended on. And in this season, I believe God wants to change what you depend on. What you rely on, the structures and the the, the, the the conformity that happens in our lives, the practices, the behaviors, the responses, all these things. God's wanting to challenge this and say, hey, where am I in the equation? Where am I in the process? Where's your trust in me? Are you believing in me? Are, do you want to see me work in your life? And so that was Joshua chapter 1. God could not bring those Israelites, that first generation, out of the wilderness. God could not redeem them wholly into the promised land like He had promised them. But guess what? Another nation arose. Another generation arose. So that generation died in the wilderness, but in the wilderness was born a new generation, a new nation. And since they did not have a slave mentality, God was able to approach Joshua and what they had spent 40 years wandering around trying to achieve, God says, in three days, I'm taking you in. In three days, we're crossing this next body of water because there's still a challenge. There's still something in front of you. You're still gonna have to overcome something. You're still gonna have to cross over something. See, every generation has a challenge that they have to face. Anybody ever experience victory and then you found out right on the other side of that victory was another challenge. Anybody with me? Come on, I'm not going to hold an to call for liars this morning. You can raise your hand. You know. You know. We've all done it. God just brought you through something. And now the next challenge is like, oh, no, I'm not going to make it. No, God is wanting you to rest in the faithfulness of what he just did to get you through the season and the challenge that's coming up so he tells these people, and man, they're like, let's go. Joshua, tell us what to do. Tell us when we're leaving. Make provisions. Get your preparation together because we are going into the promised land. We're done wandering around this thing. And because they didn't have a slave mentality and because they learned to rely on God in the wilderness, they said if God can do that, he can do this. It was a great transition. It was a great way for them to challenge what was familiar and challenge what they thought was normal and challenge To see God move in their life. Well, I want to show you today the transition on the other side. At some point, I know I will preach the book of Joshua and the battles and the fights and the wars that they they endured there, just taking land after land. I mean, it's just a conquest, man. Joshua is just going in, and he's just taking city after city after city, man. They're just going in and taking Jericho, and they had some faults and failures. I mean, AI was a big mess. You know this little town that they were supposed to easily conquer, so they just ah oh, yeah, just send in the, the 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 c team, you know, send in the the the, the third string squad, you know we don't need it. they got whooped because there was sin in the camp, but as soon as they corrected the sin, man, they went in, took care of, of AI, and then they had all these I mean just conquest after conquest, it was just awesome what God did with this generation. but now on the back end, we come into Judges, Judges chapter, uh, let me see where I want to start real quick. Judges chapter, let's start with chapter 2. I think I told you one, but let's start with chapter 2. And I want to start with verse 10. Nothing lasts forever, right? I said, nothing lasts forever. Everything's got an end date. And Joshua, in this generation, the great conquesting generation that didn't know slavery, came out of the wilderness, challenged and just defeated all these enemies of the promised land. But Joshua, or Judges chapter 2 verse 10 says this, after that generation died. So in the first week, we saw the generation of Moses die. And Joshua came on as the new leader. Now Joshua's generation, we're on the back end of that. And it says after that generation, Joshua's generation died, another generation grew up. So now God is what? Passing on from one generation to the next. Went from Moses to Joshua. Moses' crew didn't get in. Joshua's crew got in. But now Joshua's crew has passed on, and now we've got the new generation showing up. Another generation grew up, but here it is, who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. They did not acknowledge the Lord, and they did not remember the mighty thing. This is the thing, guys, and this is where I want to get at today. In transition, you can never let any transition go to waste. I don't care how good it was. I don't care how bad it was. Transition, there is something you have to learn in the transition. We thank God for the seasons, right? But we're in a transition period, a shifting period right now. And we have to be able to recognize what we're in the midst of. Otherwise, we will abandon what we had previously. And then we'll lose sight of what's ahead. That's why it's transition, because I'm caught between the two. Here's what I just came out of. Here's what I'm going into. And so we had a generation that came out of uh, being stuck in a cycle in the wilderness, going into the promised land, going from bad to good. Now we've got transition on the backside, coming out of good, the conquest, the victories, the triumphs. God showing himself mighty, beating and destroying each of these nations as they were commanded to do so and promised that they would. But now we're on the back end. They've done their winning. They've done their triumphing. They've got their victories. But guys, God is not interested in what you can obtain. He wants to know what you can maintain. God is not just interested in what you can obtain. He wants to know what can you maintain, what can you take care of, what can you steward over, what can you have within your possession and give account for later on. Not that I can just get it to you, but what will you do with it once I get it to you? That's what God is saying. That's what God is asking. That is what God is really interested in our lives. I know that we want, you know, God to just rain down miracle after miracle. God gave me this this morning, and we sang it. A miracle can happen now, for the Spirit of the Lord is here. And I thank God for his miraculous work. Miracles is God working on our behalf, doing what you cannot do. And I don't know about you, but I find myself plenty of times in need of a miracle. God, this is beyond me. God, I'm out in the middle of the water. The boat's back there. The shore's over there. And I'm going to have to walk. You're going to have to keep me afloat. I need your miracle working power in operation in my life. I can't do it on my own. And that's one of the best places to be. Scariest? Yes. Intimidating? Sure. But when you get to a full reliance and a full trust in God and see his miracles working in your life, we need his miracles. He told me this morning, he said, miracles is when I work on your behalf. But he didn't stop there. He said, obedience is when you work on my behalf. So we don't need to just live in this realm of miracle working power of God. But I also need to recognize what part do I play? Because it's not good enough to just obtain How do I maintain? You maintain with obedience. You maintain with following through with what he commanded you. You you maintain by fully taking account and stewarding over what he's put in your possession. He worked a miracle to get it to you, yes. But can you maintain it with your obedience and your faith and your trust and your dependence on him? Miracles is God working on my behalf. Obedience is me working on God's behalf. We have a work to do. I said, we have a work to do. We're not just sitting down here idle, just waiting for God to do the next thing, snap his fingers again, and and make. There are things that he's putting your realm in your possession. When he created man, he said, I'm giving you dominion and authority. You rule. You subdue the earth. You. You. And guess what Jesus did when he departed the earth? Gave you something to do. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You, therefore, go make disciples. You, therefore, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You, therefore, cast out demons. You, therefore, therefore proclaim the kingdom of God. You, therefore, baptize uh, uh, new converts in, uh, in, in, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You, therefore, you, we have a work to do. And so, yeah, God will work on my behalf, and God will do things that only he can do. But God won't do all of it. God has given us a specific part to play. We have a job to do. Can you obtain it? Can you maintain what you obtain? This is the question. This is the challenge. And so in this transition, now it's we've got we've fought for, we've triumphed, we've conquested, we've seen these victories, we have access to the promised land, just as God said. But we also did something very dangerous. We didn't fully finish what God told us to do. And and what you leave alive in the past season, it'll come back to get you in the next. That's one of the things that irritates me the most about Movies and TV shows is when they leave people alive. You ever seen that? Y'all seen that, right? You know, you got in the back, that dude's coming back. He's still breathing. Why did we not make sure we finished it off? We had this long battle, this long conquest, and then, you know, he gets knocked out or something. And then you go on about your business, guess who's coming back? Dude laying on the ground that you thought was dead, but is not. You thought you, did, you, you thought you did enough, but he's coming back. And that's what they did. There's many times in the word of God, and I know it sounds like it doesn't go with God's character, his merciful, gracious, loving character. But there's m- numerous times, multiple times, that God instructed his people to utterly wipe out the nation. Do not leave anybody alive. 1 Samuel chapter 15, King Saul is given a command to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. God's exact words. He's not mincing words. He's being extremely clear. Do not leave any, do not leave breath in any lungs. And I've had people ask me, well, you know, and I struggle with it early on. Babies? You're talking about young children? That's horrible, God. But those young men grow up to be warriors. Grow up to be fighters. Grow up to wield swords and shields and spears. In fact, the Amalekites were supposed to have been utterly destroyed in the wilderness. So God's command to King Saul is very serious. Wipe them off the planet. Historically speaking, they believe that the nation of the Amalekites is still in the nation today traumatizing God's people. They linked Hitler back to the Amalekite nation. And even most recently, ISIS. So when God tells you to get rid of something, get rid of it. All of it. Don't leave breath in the lungs. Go in and utterly destroy. But here in uh, Judges chapter 1, beginning with verse 25. Judges chapter 1 verse, I'm sorry, Judges chapter 1 verse 21 Judges 1.21, reading out of the New Living, the tribe of Benjamin, however, failed to drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. So to this day, the Jebusites live in Jerusalem among the people of Benjamin. Jump on down to 27. Verse 27, the tribe of Manasseh failed to drive out people living in Bethshan, Tanakh, Dor, Ibliam, Megiddo, and all surrounding settlements because the Canaanites were determined to stay in that region. They were determined. So is what you're fighting more determined to stay than you are to get them out? Come on. Every season, you've got to clean house. And if you try to drag into the next season what should have been killed in the last season, you're going to pay a price for it. Verse 28, when the Israelites grew stronger, watch this, they forced the Canaanites to work as slaves, but they never did drive them completely out of the land. So sometimes we use this excuse, oh, I don't need to get rid of it, I've got it under control. Yeah, the Egyptians thought they had the Israelites under control. Slavery's not even the answer. Oh, I'm, I'm, I've got it under control, I could quit any time. <laughs> Good, do it. Go ahead. It's not an addiction. I'm not addicted to it. Okay. Right? And I'm not just talking about addictions. There's all kinds of things in our life that we leave alive that should have been put to death. Should have been cut off. And God's very clear. Eliminate it. No slavery. Well, they're going to work for me. Because slaves get strong. Slaves will one point at some time get tired of working for you and decide, we're going to overtake them or at least pose a problem. In fact, there's a verse in here that says that these nations that they left alive became a thorn in the Israelites' side. Why would you do that when you had the chance to just get rid of it altogether? 29, the tribe of Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites living in Gezer, so the Canaanites continued to live there among them, among them. The tribe of Zebulun failed to drive out the residents of Katron and Nahalos, so the Canaanites continued to live among them. But the Canaanites were forced to work as slaves for the people of Zebulun. The tribe of Asher failed to drive out the residents of those towns. Instead, the people of Asher moved in among the Canaanites who controlled the land, for they failed to drive them out. Likewise, the tribe of Naphtali failed to drive out the rest. I mean, this is crazy. As for the tribe of Dan, the Amorites forced them back into the hill country. So now the Amorites are telling the tribe of Dan, God's people, what you can have. And you'll find out, you may have started out telling it what it could do, but it'll flip on you and it'll start telling you what to do. You become a slave of them. The Amorites, verse 35, the Amorites were determined to stay in Mount and those towns. They forced the Amorites to work at slaves. What you don't drive out today may compromise you tomorrow. What you fail to drive out today, what you fail to eliminate today, when you're in the midst of transition, this is a great time to go ahead and take inventory and evaluate, am I driving out everything that needs to be driven? this is the moment before we get back to normal, before we get back in the familiar, before we sat aloud but previously, are we ready and at a point to say, you know what, moving into the next season, I'm not taking this, this, and this. It's time to do it now before the next generation comes, before the next one shows up, before the next challenge comes that you have to face. I don't want to face the next challenge with the past resources. I don't want to face the next challenge with stuff in my life from the last challenge that should have been killed off. Amen. Judges chapter two, let's go back there. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. I know these are sobering words, but it's a wake up call. It's a time to rise. It, this is a time to take inventory. Go ahead and check yourself. Before we just settle back into things, let's look at what we're settling back into. After that generation died, what generation? The generation that did all those conquests, conquered all those territories, but failed to eliminate some enemies. Now, that generation died, and so guess what? They left all those enemies that shouldn't have been killed for the next generation to fight. I mean, parents, what are we leaving alive for our kids to fight that we're supposed to kill off? What are we leaving alive that we need to destroy so they won't have to endure it? We're just setting them up for failure. If we aren't taking care of our enemies, we're just adding. Because they're going to have enemies. They're going to have battles. They're going to have challenges. They just shouldn't have to be fighting ours. Hello? After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. That means that they once knew, they once were told, but it wasn't reaffirmed in them. They weren't meditating on it day and night as was instructed Joshua. Remember that? Joshua chapter 1, 6 and 7 and 8 and 9. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For I, the Lord, am with you wherever you go. But don't turn from the left or to the right. Right? Meditate on the word day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. These are the things that should have been passed down, but they ended up getting passed up. If you don't pass it down, it'll eventually just be passed up. I've got to pass these things. I've got to transfer. This is a season of transition. So there are things that should have been eliminated from the previous season that weren't, so now they're being carried in the next season. There are things that should have been carried from the previous season, and they're not, and so now... They only know the stuff that they weren't supposed to know, and they don't know the things that they're supposed to know. This is broken. We've got one generation. We're not talking hundreds of thousands of years. We're talking one generation. That's all it took to abandon what God had done in the wilderness and what God had done at the Red Sea and what God had done in these conquests and these victories. That's all it took. It says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. So now they're worshiping other gods. Not only have they not remembered the Lord their God, now they have actually given themselves over to serving the gods of the nations of the people that they were supposed to destroy. See, this is the thing. If you don't destroy the nation, you get all the nation's junk with it too. If you don't cut off the thing, you get all the junk that's attached to the thing. You don't just get the good, you get the bad. You get all of it. You're saying yes to all of it. It says in verse 12, they abandoned the Lord. Remember what God told Joshua? I will be with you wherever you go. Guys, if we are far from God, if we're feeling separated, You're the one that's abandoned, not him. He hasn't gone anywhere. God, where are you? The last place you left him. Like a keys. It's the last place you left him. Where's my keys? Wherever you left them. We abandoned. We walked away. They abandoned the Lord. It says they abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors. It shouldn't just be the God of their ancestors. It should be your God too. Well, this is what God did for me. Well, we need to communicate it as this is what God did for me, and this is what he'll do for you. And what he did for me, he'll do for you. And he was faithful to me, he'll be faithful to you. He loves and cares for me, he will love and care for you. Yeah. shouldn't have been God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. The people around them shouldn't have been around them. See, if you leave it in your proximity, it will eventually influence you. And I know our thoughts. Well, I'm trying to influence them. I'm keeping them close because I I I know that one day they're going to come to church with me. And one day they're going to read the Bible with me and do this and do that. I'm not saying you completely eradicate. I'm talking about association. And I'm talking about the closeness that you leave and the proximity. And at some point, you're going to have to draw a line somewhere that says, I can't even be around it because I cannot allow it to compromise and influence me. These people were around them and therefore gave the suggestion, well, maybe we could serve your gods too. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. Verse 13, they abandoned the Lord to serve Baal in the images of Ashtoreth. We see why it's so dangerous to leave alive what God calls to kill to leave alive what God calls to separate from. I think it's to 1 Corinthians 6. that says, come out from among them, you holy people. Separate yourselves, right? Don't be unequally yoked, right? These are serious words. How much influence can you make on someone that you're becoming more like instead of them becoming like you? Yeah, don't, you you cannot allow proximity to compromise your influence. You can't allow closeness to something to compromise your ability to overcome it. And if it's affecting you more than you're affecting it, it's time to cut some things off. It's time to separate from some things. It's time to eliminate the things that God calls us to eliminate in one season so we can experience victory in the next season. But this season of transition isn't going so well conquests, the victories, this nation growing up doesn't even know of the faithfulness of God anymore. They've completely abandoned. Judges chapter 3 and verse 5. Judges chapter 3 and verse 5. It says in the New Living, so the people of Israel lived among, everyone say among, the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And if you go back to the word that was given to Moses, every single one of those nations was mentioned that they would destroy and take their land. This was never to be, hey, do you have room for us? This was never to be, uh, uh, you know, we just want to come and bunk up with you. This was never to be a cohabitating thing. We're taking this from you. This is God's land. You took it from us. We're coming to take it back. But instead, they left some things in the land that, They weren't supposed to. Verse 6 says, and they intermarried with them. That means covenant was made. So now they're actually entering agreements and contracts. It wasn't just marriage like husband and wife. Back then, marriage was covenant. Marriage was we are joining families. Marriage was we are, uh, uh, you're taking some of yours and you're taking some of ours, and we're commingling it. Marriage back then was a much more serious covenant and contract than we have today in our society. We're talking about the the joining of nations and people groups is what we're talking about. They began to intermarry with them. Israelites' sons married their Daughters and Israelite daughters were given in marriage to their sons. And then watch this. And the Israelites served their gods. Oh, I know, it's horrible to think that we're only one generation from conquest, one generation away from victory, one generation away from bludgeoning this territory. And if we would have just done what we were supposed to do in the previous season. We wouldn't have to engage in this activity in the next season. But the next season is always at the mercy of what you did in the previous. That's why we say that seasons and challenges and tests Tests will come, but they're not coming to stop you. They're coming to advance you. But if you don't test out of the 10th grade, I can't allow you to enter the 11th grade. I need you to gain some things in the 10th that will get you and help you in the next grade. All my teachers say amen. I got a couple. We got a lot of teachers, a lot of educators in this house. They know this principle. It's not because I want to keep you in the 10th grade. It's not because I want to see you fail. I want to see you move. I don't want you back in my class again. Any teacher ever told him that? I don't want you back here next year. That's why I need you to make a good grade on this. Get out of my room. I got nine months with you. That's the end of my mercy. That's the end of my my patience. Get out. I'm not teaching you algebra two over again you got to get it. It's always helpful when we get it the first time, isn't it? It's always, get, it's always good when we endure the test and the trial, allow our patience to grow so that when we get to the next season, we have the development, and we have the resources, we have the trust, and we have the reliance, we have the dependability, we have the faith, we have the strength, we have the courage, we have the maturity to help us endure the next challenge. Can I get an amen? I want to give you today three stages of defeat. Three stages of defeat. As we transition into a new season, and I believe that we are as a church, you individually, I don't know where you're at. I can't speak. But I can tell you, if you're not using it today, it will be applied somewhere down the road in your life. Just by show of hands, somebody tell me, you're in a season of transition right now. You know things are shifting in your personal life. Yeah, oh, the majority of you. You're transitioning in your healing. You're transitioning in your family. You're transitioning in your strength. You're transitioning physically. There are physical, uh, uh, obvious ways that our lives are always going through these cycles and these transitions. Romans 12 verse, one, or, uh, verse 2 says that we are not to pattern ourselves or grow accustomed to the things of the world. Do not conform. And different translations read different ways. Do not grow accustomed to. Do not conform to the patterns, the behaviors, the cycles. The book of Judges is one horrible cycle. Walking away from God. Enemies overtaking them. Crying out to God. God raises up a deliverer and a judge. They come back to God. Walk away from God. The whole book is one dangerous pattern. And that's what we're talking about. See, what will happen is you'll grow accustomed to the pattern. The cycle will become normal to you. So I want to show you the three stages that this defeat operates in our life. Number one, settle. You settle. You settle down. Another translation, I think it's the New King James reads in all those passages that they settled among the Hivites. They settled among the Perizzites. They settled among the Canaanites. They settled. They simply tolerated. The word settle literally means this. The word settle is defined as to allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of. That's what it means to settle. To allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of Get this, without interference. To allow the existence, the occurrence, or the practice of without interference. That's what it means to settle. Simply put, you tolerate it. What you tolerate today becomes normal tomorrow. We've seen it in our nation. The things that we have been faced with just the last five years in our nation that have been incorporated, that we know are so ungodly, vile, ridiculous, unwholesome, but if we tolerate it, guess what? Our kids are going to grow up thinking that's just the way it is. What one generation tolerates, the next generation allows to become normal. One generation Because they didn't eliminate the enemies they were called to eliminate, they tolerated the Canaanites, they tolerated the Perizzites, they tolerated the Hittites, they tolerated the Amorites. Guess what? The next generation thought, oh, hey, we're buddies. It's normal to have them around. It's normal to act that way. It's normal to behave that way. So we have to take care of it in our generation so the next generation doesn't grow up thinking that's just the way things are that that's just normal. So number one is settle. The next stage of defeat is compromise. Compromise. So we settle, we tolerate, we allow, we grow accustomed to, we allow these things without interference, no objection, and now the next step is compromise. Compromise is defined as this, an agreement or settlement of each side. An agreement or settlement of each side. The definition goes on to say mutual concession. Mutual. So they're not forcing it on you. You allow, you settle, you tolerate, and now you actually begin to join and make a compromise with them, which means that you're allowing part of what they have, and then they are forcing you. Well, not forcing you, but you're allowing them to compromise you, your values, your belief system. You're actually not only now allowing them to cohabitate with you, now you're actually giving up some of your own standards. Not only are you allowing them just to be in the area and the vicinity and the proximity, but now it actually starts to creep into this. I don't know if I believe what I believe. I don't know if that's so bad anymore. What was once a conviction becomes a compromise. Convictions that go unconfronted. Become compromised. So now you're actually, the next step is, the first step is, I tolerate, I allow. The next step is, now I'm actually losing part of myself. This is why God calls us to separate, come out, don't remain among them. The last definition I have for compromise reads this way to accept standards that are lower than desirable to accept standards that are lower than desirable. That's what compromise means. Anybody ever heard the term agree to disagree? Yeah, we love that, right? The only people that want to come to agree to disagree, what they're really saying is, I want you to lower your standard and come over to mine. It's really what they're saying. to lower your standards beyond what is desirable. So, if you choose to settle for it and you begin to allow it and tolerate it, eventually you're going to have to compromise with it and you're going to be forced to lower your convictions and your standards and your values. And number three, the most deadliest stage is you begin to idolize. begin to idolize. It said that they lived among them, verse 5, 3, verse 5, so the people of Israel lived among them. They settled. They tolerated. Verse 6 says, and they intermarried with them, so they entered covenant. They compromised. They began to lower their own standards, began to accept some of their standards. That's the second stage. The third stage, it says, and the Israelites served their gods. Idolize means this, to admire, revere, admire, revere, to love greatly or excessively. To love greatly or excessively. They began to worship what they should have destroyed. Now they've moved from settling and tolerating to compromising with and lowing their own values. Now they're completely sold out to where they admire and they revere and they love excessively. And it says that they abandoned the Lord their God of their ancestors and didn't even remember the things he had done for them. Three stages of defeat. Worship team, if you come. This is what has to be challenged right now. This is what has to be confronted. In a season of transition, it's an opportunity to take inventory. Did I complete everything I needed to do in the last season? You don't ever want to go into the new season incomplete from the last season. Did I destroy? Did I eliminate? Did I build? Did I conquer? Did I overcome? Did I finish? You've heard us say it before. How you leave one is how you enter the next. What would this have looked like if they had conquered all those enemies? What would this have looked like if they had defeated all those nations? What would this have looked like if they would have eliminated and completely wiped out and destroyed all these enemies? That doesn't mean that the new nation, the new generation, would have gotten off stock free. They would have had their own challenges to face. They would have had their own battles to fight. In fact, the beginning of chapter 3 tells us that God was testing the new nation because they didn't know war. It's dangerous to also just have something handed to you. And you don't have to work for it. You don't have to fight for it. The victory, you just walk into it because of what someone else did. No, you've got to learn to fight for yourself. You've got to learn to to take on what your ancestors did. You're gonna have to believe God for you. My son, I will not always be able to believe God for him. There will come to a point where he will have to believe God for himself. Some of you are experiencing that with your grown children. Hey, we prayed for you, we believed for you, but now you're gonna have to walk this out yourself. And I'm standing with you, I'm in agreement with you, but you're gonna have to overcome this on your own. I can't cover you anymore. But we have a responsibility in our season, in our generation. Let me just challenge you with this. Whatever you're struggling with, do you want your kids to struggle with it? Do you want them to deal with it? Do you want them to face it? Probably not. So we've got to kill it. That's just a note for parents. This applies in in so many arenas of our life. That's just a note for parents. You want your kids dealing with insecurity like you deal with it? Whip it now. You want them dealing with that thing, that stuff, that person? Get rid of it now. Don't carry from the last season. Stuff that's supposed to be destroyed. Conquering. And it all begins at the level of what you settle for. It all begins at the level of tolerance, acceptance. You know, seeds become trees. And trees bear fruit. It's much easier to pluck up a seed than it is to uproot a tree. Get rid of it while it's small. Because we do this. It's not that bad. The Holy Spirit wants to convict you and challenge you when it's this big. Because he knows it's going to be all the more harder and more difficult to get rid of it when it's this big. Let's challenge it, And he'll give you the victory. Aaron, do you have that passage in Judges chapter one? I think it should be one of the first ones. Verse 19, I think. Look at this verse. This is where it all started. It says, the Lord was with the people of Judah. The Lord was with the people of Judah. And they took possession of the hill country. Now, what was God's words to Joshua in Joshua chapter one? Wherever... The sole of your foot treads. I'll give it to you. Did he say that? He said that. Joshua chapter one. Three, four, 5, somewhere in there. He went on further and said, wherever you go, I'll be with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. Did he say that? Did God utter those words? Absolutely. The Lord was with the people of Judah, and they took possession of the hill country. But they failed to drive out the people living in the plains. The New King James says the valley. I think there's a popular song out that says he's the God of the hills and the valleys. They had iron chariots. The challenge in front of them was greater than the God for them. And the same God that was on the hill is the same God in the valley. That's where it all started. They failed to drive them out. They began to allow and tolerate and settle, leaving more and more enemies alive. 21 through 35 gives a record and account all the rest of the enemies, they left alive. And every enemy they left alive had a God. And every enemy they left alive had a persuasion. And every enemy that they left alive had daughters that were attractive that they could marry and that they could co-mingle with. And every enemy that they left alive ultimately caused the next generation to abandon what the current generation had fought so hard for. He's the same God, guys. Whatever the challenge is that you're facing, he's the same God. New challenge, same God. New struggle, same God. But this, this enemy's got iron chariots. Doesn't matter. I'm with you everywhere the sole of your foot. The qualifier was never about what they have. The qualifier was never about how strong they were. The indicator to my presence is never the the presence of problems. I'm with you in the midst of it. I'm with you. I will fight for you, go before you. You just have to trust and believe in me. And if you can believe me on the hill, you can believe in me in the valley. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.